Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, I'm Craig Doyle and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. On this week's show, we welcome the most capped Springbok of all time, Victor Matfield, Ireland legend Donegal Callahan, and Britain's 2007 strongest man, Terry Hollands. Here's the best of our Rugby Tonight insight and analysis from Ben Kay, Ugo Manya, and our studio guests. Please give a huge Rugby Tonight welcome to Donegal Callahan. <laughs> I'm so glad to have you here. It's oh, really good to have you here. And a nice new friend. I never saw these in Munster. Look at that. Was that a little Worcester gift for you? On the I thought eye? you were on about um, uh, eyebrow hair. <laughs> I got this caught on my head in the match on Saturday. And when I was looking at it more, I've started to notice massive eyebrow hair. Maybe it's something that happens as you get older. So <laughs> that's a more concern to me than the eight stitches, I'll be completely honest. <laughs> Did you not know your nickname? No? It was no. Monobrow, yeah. yeah it was <laughs> okay, enough. Uh, this is your, your list of achievements, and it, it is phenomenal. I think the most important one is that uh, Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive, was number one when you were born. Um, you were a kids' TV presenter, which I didn't know, and you also did a demonstration on the best technique for giving cuddles, which is lovely. Yeah. But we might uh, see that one in action a little bit later on. But first of all, talk about all your amazing rugby achievements. Uh, 98 international caps, a phenomenal career with Ireland, and such a core part of that Irish team for so many years. Well, I'd imagine the Grand Slam, though, is, is your happiest memory, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose you, you always remember your first cap. Everyone will tell you, you know, uh, there's special moments in your, in your life, and your first cap really is one that stands out. Uh, but uh, there's other days. The, the Grand Slam was great. The one, the one that really stands out, and I hate to bring it up, was the Ireland-England game for me in, in Crow Park. It was just a special day that... It, it kind of meant more than the sport itself of rugby. It was a, a massive moment for the country itself. I think it showed a maturity within the country, and you know it yourself. How um, you know for you know things that have gone on in the past, and 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 to leave 15 lads sorted out in a rugby pitch. I think it was a great way to show uh, unbelievable maturity out of our country, and I thought it was great. It's the one that I personally took the most pride out of. Did you sob that day? I think the whole no, of Ireland sobbed. No, I don't. I'll be honest. With... The England guys did as well. <laughs> <to be honest. laughs> I'm quite in touch with my emotions, so like half our squad would cry at Frozen or the Lion King. <laughs> Throw it on there in the team room and you have Paulie and Flannery or whoever it is bawling their eyes out. So, uh, no, I, I wasn't too bad that day. 
Such a wonderful career at Munster, 17 years. How difficult was it for you to, to leave Limerick, to leave Munster and come over here to the Premiership? Um, I'll be honest, it wasn't at all. I wasn't playing. Uh, it was a place I loved and uh, yeah, usually grateful for my time there. But I'll be honest, since I've come over, I'm, I'm loving rugby again. And I'll be honest, in the last year I wasn't. I felt like I was in prison. And uh, it, it, that's a hard thing to say, but when you love something so much, and you, you, you know, Ben, when you're not playing, it, it, it can be torturous. And uh, um, I, I suppose I have a whole new lease of life since I've come to Worcester. I suppose I'm loving it. I'm being challenged by coaches. There's an incredible kind of training facility and an incredible bunch of lads that want to push on. And I'm, I'm really enjoying that kind of um, competitive environment and kind of, I like what we're about, I like what we're becoming, and uh, I like being part of the team down there. Can you compare and contrast life in the Premiership uh, against life at Munster, particularly Munster, you know, maybe a decade ago? Yeah, it's different. It, it is very different. I suppose, for, for me, there's an awful lot in common with, uh, you know, what Dean's talking about us doing, and, and we're the sum of the parts kind of team, and that's something I can relate to with what went on back home. But... Um, yeah, there's, of course, dressing rooms are all the same. Everyone always moans and uh, rugby players just give out by nature, I think, you know. But one thing I have noticed is um, um, over here, fellas are very generous with things like shampoo. That just <laughs> doesn't happen at, uh, in at home. You if don't you... have shampoo, are you? <laughs> no, we have shampoo, but you keep it in your gear bag and you squirt it into your hand and then you go in for a shower. But they offer you shampoo here and that, to me, I'm like... What's going on here? <laughs> At home, in Munster, if you were offered shampoo, there was something done to it. I think that, <laughs> you know, the last people to take shampoo were like John Hayes, Keith Wood, and you saw what happened there here. So you just always stood away from it. But uh, like I said, I, I'm loving it. It's, uh, I, I have the buzz and the hunger for rugby again. When you left Ireland to come over here, uh, in all the Irish papers, they told me the great Dunnock Callaghan moments, because you're a great entertainer as well. Uh, the one that really stands out, I think, for everyone is the, the duck story. Tell everyone at home in the studio the, the duck oh. story. Yeah, look, Ben would know best. Um, when you go into these camps, you're, um, you're broken into little groups, but the senior group and the management were sent away into a room to kind of plan out the year and get things together, and they left what we'd like to be known as the Muppets, guys that aren't involved in anything to just get lost for the next 30 minutes. So uh, it was a beautiful little uh, lake where we were staying and I grabbed a box of cornflakes and headed down and threw a few out and these ducks started coming towards me. So threw another one out and then all of a sudden I noticed I actually had about 12 ducks here, you know, in, in my grass where I, I could bring them wherever I wanted. So <laughs> management meeting was only around the corner. So I was... Um, <laughs> managed to get him 30 metres up the way, opened the front door and just threw in the end of the box of cornflakes. <laughs> <laughs> and the lads that were in there said all they saw was the door open and 12 ducks just <laughs> go for it and fly in. So, but like all things, there's always repercussions and I ended up cleaning up duck poo for the rest of the day. <laughs> like, Jerry Holland grabbed me by the air, bent over. So, uh, yeah, it's just, you know that when you're in camp, there's times you just need little releases to have a little bit of fun and... I'd like to think I'm serious when it comes to playing the game, but when, when there's a little bit of off time, you like to enjoy it. Let's talk about uh, the weekend, uh, the game against Bath. Um, you know, you got yourself a losing bonus point. Uh, where, where are Worcester at the moment? I mean, they're looking good in the league. Third from bottom, 11 points. You feeling safe? Yeah, uh, no, I, I don't think we're really looking at it that way. We're kind of taking game by game. And like I said to you, 
you know, we, we were disappointed with the result. We went there to kind of get something out of it. Probably had a mix at the moment of our own errors costing us. And, uh, you know, what's good about us, I think, at the moment is that, you know, we're not making the same mistake week on week. If you look at the team that we put out against Northampton in our first Premiership game, we had nine guys playing their first Premiership game that day. So, you know, we're a little bit green and lack maybe the experience that the bigger teams do. But, uh, you know, from, from my own personal point of view, in these tight games, I think we nearly, we nearly need to be 10 points better than teams. The tight marginal calls, we're probably not getting at the moment. And, you know, I'm not looking to moan or, or whinge about it. We, we just know we need to be a little bit better. But it's an incredible group of lads to be around. Um, every, you know, every day there's challenges, looking to get better, looking to improve week on week. And I've never been around a, a group with such energy. And uh, for me as well, just being involved in this defensive system is exciting. You know, when you learn and when you're challenged and when you're pushed, it's when you get the best out of guys. It's great that you're still learning about the game is incredible after all you've done. I do want to hear, though, from your director of rugby, Dean Ryan. This is what he had to say after that game. You know, getting a bonus point for us, we need to keep that in perspective, is, is crucial for us. But uh, we're getting close, Leicester close, Bath close. That's the top of the table that we're competing with regularly. What's your take on going on at Six Ways? I think exactly what Danica said at the beginning. It, it is a sum of the parts. And it doesn't matter whether you're at the top of the table or the bottom of the table. You look at Saracens and Northampton, who've been gunning for the Premiership year on year. Northampton aren't able to bind those parts together at the moment, whereas Saracens, you know, they're flying high, but are they on paper, you know, individual players drastically better than the other teams? No, they're not. They're just getting the best out of each other. And it's the same down at the bottom. And, you know, Worcester are that. What they need is just a couple of those games to the close ones to go their way and suddenly that confidence will, will breed. If they keep going and, and, and other teams keep on picking up uh, points, that's where the lack of experience and the worry will start to come in and the, the burden will go on the, on the experienced heads like, like Dunica. So, you know, I, I think they're in a great place at the moment, but, but they need to get those, those, those extra points in, in the bag so that they can take the pressure off and actually start playing the rugby they want to play. And I think so something that's really helped them is that long pre-season leading into it. Yeah. I think coming out of the, the, the championship and being able to build... And all the other teams didn't quite know how... It's different for them all. And they didn't quite know how to plan for it. I think that has helped them to, to really bind this team together. Good stuff. Uh, we'll talk more about your view in the Premiership uh, yeah. later on, of course, in the show. Uh, two second rows. Like buses, there is a third one coming along very soon. A giant one. But first of all, let's go to a man who hasn't been on a bus since 1987. Ugo. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Craig. Hey, well, Christmas time is a time of miracles, and we've certainly had one this Christmas. Not only has Andy Goode grown his hair back, but he's found strength in that hair because he's come out of retirement. As he's tweeted here, dusted off the boots and I'm Newcastle bound this morning at Falcons Rugby. Wish him all the very best for that. Mark Smith has got a slightly different take on this. Obviously, Andy Goode was signed and contracted to London Irish and he says, pending for the thoughts of London Irish and Andy Goode's vote face, having signed for the retired from Newcastle Falcons relegation rival. So you can see there's obviously a little bit of discrepancy there. People are a little bit upset. The Dai Lama alluding to his dodgy barnet, Andy Goose, signs of Newcastle after retiring. You just need to look at his hairline to know this is a bloke that won't give up, and he certainly won't give up. Right, uh, the Andy Good story, very interesting one. Back out of retirement, he is on his way to Newcastle Falcons. Well, I can tell you, he joins us live from his, possibly his, uh, I don't know, living room or kitchen, Andy. How are you? Thanks for joining us. You're well. Yeah, I'm good. I'm actually uh, in a hotel up in Newcastle at the minute, so. 
Um, Andy, uh, London Irish fans, uh, let's get straight at it, are not that happy about your move to the Falcons. They had hoped you were on your way to the Medeski Stadium at the end of last season. Um, through injury and various issues, uh, that didn't happen. We thought your rugby career was over and suddenly the old bones have got life in them again. Um, <laughs> I mean, do, do you, can you understand that they're upset and, and why they might be upset? Yeah, listen, I, I retired um, earlier in the season. Um, I didn't think my shoulder and my knee were going to be any good. Uh, I didn't think I could recover from them. I've had three or four months out of the game now. Um, Dean Richards came to me and, and, and put a proposal in front of me. The first thing I did was speak to London Irish and give them a chance and say, do you want me to come back there? They said no. So, um, you know, I've, I've spoken to Dean further and I've taken an opportunity to come out of retirement. Um, you know, I've got a massive amount of respect for Dean. He, he gave me my first opportunity at less than 18 years ago, whatever it was now. And um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to a new challenge. So are you surprised? Does it surprise you that you, you want to get back playing again? Because, you, you know, you looked comfortable enough in retirement. Actually, you look comfortable enough when you're playing, to be fair. <laughs> uh, well, it's not, obviously, they've had an injury to Mike Delaney at 10, who's a very experienced player up here for them. Um, and, you know, he's just looking for a, an old head, I think. To, he promised me, actually, he'd come out of retirement as well and play with me if I came, but uh, he went back on that today. So, uh, Goody, it's Benny. Uh, is there any truth in the rumours that you've had to take this big contract to pay for your hair replacement treatment? <laughs> no, Benny. And where'd you get it that. done? Well, that's all been done. I can give you the contact. Thank you. Uh, that's crazy. That's, that's, that's Dan Carter money. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, 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 oh. Oh. And all taken from your chest. That, they're they're very curly. Where did they take them from? <laughs> <laughs> Shiny too. <laughs> so, so how uh, how fit or unfit are you at the moment? Depends <laughs> what level of fit you're talking. Um, no, listen, I, yeah, I've been I've been doing bits and bobs. I've, I've come up here today, um, first day at Newcastle on the train in the morning. Um, yeah, I don't. I was ever the fittest, was I? Um, so, uh, listen, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting stuck in tomorrow training. The boys play Bath at the weekend. Um, see if I can be involved in that. If not, I look forward to the Irish game next week. Is there any truth in the fact that there were huge celebrations in the uh, Newcastle branch of Nando's? Is that it? A... <laughs> <laughs> Nando's or McDonald's? <laughs> Both. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, it's really good to see you back in the Premiership. And, and I'm just wondering how, how it went down at home with the two, the two ladies in your life. Are they glad to see you back out playing again? Uh, well, I'm staying up here tonight. I've started snoring since I've been So, Karen uh, will be happy not tonight. But, um, yeah, Ella Grace will be looking forward to seeing me play, hopefully. Um, fingers crossed. Uh, I'll get on the pitch and um, you'll see Ella Grace in on Well, look, we wish you the very best of luck out there. And thanks for coming on. And, and, and I'm putting the London Irish fans uh, at ease as well. We appreciate it. We'll see yeah. you in action soon. Take care. Cheerio. Fair play. Cheerio. Fair play. Let's introduce our next guest, shall we? Um, they don't really come much bigger than this fella. The most capped Springbok of all time. A 2007 Rugby World Cup winner. Three Tri-Nations titles. Three Super 14 titles. Three Curry Cup titles. He has still kept his good looks. He is simply one of the true legends of the game we all love so much. Please welcome Victor Matfield! <laughs> I'm delighted you're here, Victor. I really am. I can't believe you're here. Oh, my God, it's Victor Matfield <laughs> in our studio. Fantastic. OK, I'll stop that. I'm embarrassing myself. Um, great to have you here. And it's the first ever 
time you've had to play rugby around Christmas since your move over to the Northampton Saints. How's it been for you? Yeah, it's a bit different. Uh, normally this time of year we're on the beach in the sun. Uh, nice thing is I got a Christmas jumper now. I never had one before. I thought I'll never have one, but um, I've got a nice elfy green one. So. Um, Good, isn't it? Is that seriously the highlight of your move to England? <laughs> <laughs> I think for my kids that is. <laughs> um, your scroll is unbelievable. Everything you've achieved in your career, absolutely unbelievable. And, and where you've played and who you've played with. But what, what is your standout moment? I think every time you win a title stands out. But of course, the World Cup was very special in 2007. Going to France, uh, winning the cup against England. And um, yeah, going back home and see what it means to the country. I think uh, in South Africa, the team's got extra responsibility, almost giving hope to the country. Everyone looks up to the team. So um, getting back to South Africa and see what it meant to everyone was very special. And then 2009 really stands out as a year where uh, we beat um, the British and Irish Lions. We went on to uh, win the Tri-Nations back then. And uh, I was lucky enough to beat the All Blacks four times in one year. So three times with the Springboks and uh, was fortunate enough to captain the Barbarians to beat them as well at the end of your tour. That's a serious sentence right there, my <laughs> word, unbelievable stuff. Um, one of the things I, I really like, I'm going to ask you to tell me the story, is one of your favourite memories about Bucky's Botha, your old partner in crime, uh, and what he said to Mike Phillips during a game. <laughs> yeah, we, did you play that game? Yeah, yeah we played, and um, at some stage, Bucky's was lying on the ground, and Mike Phillips came up to him and said, listen, are you in PSP on steroids or what? And Bucky's just looked at him and I, Pulled him closer. I love your blue eyes. <laughs> <laughs> what did he get for that? No, um, you talk about Backies, and when I think about you know that South Africa team, yourself and Backies, that partnership, and then of Ireland, yourself and Paul O'Connell, and Benny, yourself and Jono, and it's it's one of the few areas of a team where you get these partnerships that just last for so so long. And of course, there's a there's a, a balance there, isn't there? There's the, there's the athlete, the, the the man with skill and a bit of pace, and then there's the absolute meathead. Um, <laughs> talking through your, your Wait, which look, which, which, one, which one were you? Which one were you? If you look at the three of us, you can see who's the meathead. It's funny. Yeah, Bucky's always has cars as well. So um, yeah, I think what's nice about the second row is. You can have weaknesses, and someone next to you can help you with those weaknesses, and that's what's made Bucky's and myself. It's probably the things that I weren't very good at, Bucky's were very good at. Uh, I didn't like to go into rucks. Bucky loved, Bucky's just loves to go into rucks. And then uh, I think we were playing in probably our 12th year together, and when we went down in scrums, I still have to tell Bucky's, Bucky's second ruck, you must do that. Just say, thanks, Matty, and he just do it. So, um, so he's the yeah. meathead. Basically. I don't know. <laughs> I, love, uh, I won't say that. Bucky's here, me might fly over tonight. So, um, no, but I just think um, playing against these boys as well, it's about combinations. And um, playing against Ben and Jono when I was a youngster, uh, I was a youngster at some stage. <laughs> so, so was I. Uh, it was just fantastic. I think the two of them set the standards of uh, locking combinations and it was great to go up against them and then yeah, to play for years against these two as well. I love, the, I love the fact Victor's saying about, about telling backies off. We, we, we might, funnily enough, might do a demo on lineouts later with, with who we've got here. <laughs> Just before Donica was saying, you know, when I got that thing wrong when we were talking about what we might do, Victor gave me a right telling off. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't make a bollocking. Donica, what was it like to play against himself and backies? Yeah, it was always um, 
a special day, you knew you had to be at your best when you were coming up with against the likes of Victor and back east and, and same with Ben and, and Martin Johnson. You really have to do your homework. You have to make sure you're on top of everything because if you, uh, you know, their skill and everything that they're able to do within the lineouts and around the pitch, they can show you up if you, if you, if you don't prepare and you're not right. What was it like playing against himself and Paulie? Yeah, it was pretty tough. Um, I think a lot of people ask me who was the toughest opponent, and uh, I always say Paulie. Um, I think it also helped them uh, when Gert Small joined them. From the Springboks, I, I had my worst game ever against them. I think they stole about five balls in a misty uh, yeah. Dublin one night. And I think, I don't know if it was the cause or whatever, but uh, it, things just didn't work. So going up against them was always tough. Like, like he said, we had to do our homework. I'll fill you in on that. Uh, Paul O'Connell actually spent the week listening to, um, you know, the count in Sesame Street, one, ah, uh, ah, uh, two, ah, <laughs> uh, ah, uh, in Afrikaans, so that he could get his ear on, mm. on your lino calls a bit. So, like... That's the kind of detail some guys will go to. I did that in 2003. <laughs> <laughs> the only time I ever got one over on, on Victor, 2003 World Cup. And uh, I'd been sat there list, look, looking at the, the calls and I could hear the same word a couple of times. And we had Cheryl Calder, who was a, a vision coach, who then went on to you guys in 2007, uh, got back-to-back -back World Cup winners' medals. And uh, I said, what's this word they're, they're shouting there? And she said, it's four in Afrikaans. Mm -hmm. So I sort of put two and two together and realised that, because it was a different language, it was a bit simpler than some of the calls you might play against the England guys, and, <laughs> and we nicked a load of ball. I think they found out about it as soon as Cheryl moved, and, and the calls got a lot harder, and uh, Victor picked us off every time. <laughs> what a lovely... Isn't this a lovely chat? Seriously. <laughs> we could do a couple of hours of this. It really is wonderful. Well, well, I, we thought, were... I thought he said he had Cheryl Cole. But I don't want to talk about <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just briefly touch on, on, on the, the Rugby World Cup. Um, we, had, uh, we had Francois Lowe in here a few weeks back and he was talking about the Japan game. And I think it was probably still a little bit raw. I wonder, Victor, have you had time to sit back and go, OK, we lost, but you were a part of one of the most incredible moments in World Cup history, if not rugby history. Yeah, it's the wrong side of it. Um, yeah, I think that just shows what rugby is about. And I think it's great for world rugby as well that you can see... A, team like Japan come up and beat the Springboks and that same Springbok team come within two points of beating the world champs or All Blacks in the semi-final. Um, yeah, I must say it was probably the worst week uh, of my life, the week after Japan. After that game, going into the change room, everyone's just sitting there, no one's saying anything and the first guy, the team manager, walks up to me, Victor, you're the most senior guy, you have to go talk to the media. What, what do you say to the media? And uh, when we got back to the hotel, we just said, listen, this happened. Uh, it's probably the worst thing that ever happened to us, but we can still get something out of this World Cup. And after that, I must say, we had the most incredible five weeks of guys pulling together, going the same direction. And like I say, two points from beating the All Blacks in the semifinals. Um, so, yes, I think rugby gives different challenges, and that was... An, different challenge and we got through it and we almost uh, made something special out of it. Watching the emotional roller coaster of Heineken Mayer during that, after the loss, and <laughs> he was so emotional afterwards, and then you see his confidence building again, um, and then he has to leave the job. It's got to be one of the most difficult coaching jobs in the world. There's the rugby side, there's the political side. Were you sad to see him go? I know you're very close to him. Yes, uh, someone I'm very close to, and um, to see after the Japan game how, and after the Japan game, I was the first to stand up and say, listen, I've been with this guy, I've seen him pick teams up, 
let's just follow him. And we followed him from there on. And I think we were brilliant in the World Cup from there on. And um, yeah, it's sad when a guy that really loves his country, loves the job, loves rugby. And um, unfortunately, in our country, we've got a lot of things outside of rugby as well that other countries don't have. And um, yeah, unfortunately, I think it just got too much for him. Uh, he's still got family and uh, kids that's in school. So I think at the end, he decided, let's just step away from this and just enjoy life again. I'm going to perk you up now. We can talk about some rugby in the weekend. Actually, maybe not, because it was London Irish against Northampton Saints, and it was a bit of a shock. And it's interesting, some guys coming through, some kind of perhaps newish faces into the Premiership, putting in some big performances. Johnny Williams at centre, outstanding on the weekend. Yet again, boys. Uh, Ugo, what do you make of this guy? Yeah, I mean, the guy's still a teenager. He started a season of six choices, many be on loan at Henley, but just through sheer dedication and actual form, you just see what he's about. I mean, he's not afraid to take the ball to the gain line, and that's exactly what he gives London Irish. He gives them gain line, but he's got massive handoff, just ability, just to arc on the outside and just stay on his feet. You know, he's a young guy who's now becoming at the epicentre of everything which is good about London Irish, and uh, clearly had a very big influential think, game the weekend. The thing I like about him most, he's so physical, yeah, he's going to pad out. He's going to he's going to grow as a player. He's going to be bigger and bigger and more powerful. He, he's nowhere near his peak in terms of power yet. And when he does, you know, with that skill set as well. But not only that, the ability to find the gaps to a, to an arm rather than a shoulder, so he can get halfway through the contact. It's vital for a team to play on the front foot. And we've talked about Northampton. You know why they're not quite functioning how they have done uh, in previous seasons. Maybe they're not quite getting over the gain line like they used to, and it's much more difficult to, to get your running lines off that if you're having to go back as the forward's coming around the corner. He is providing that target that the guys around the corner can just run onto, and uh, it'll make it a lot easier for them if they're going to uh, you know, compete how they want to, and, and now they're off the table, he'll, he'll be at the forefront of what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, and the first part of the season was pretty tough for, for Irish. Uh, let's talk about Northampton Saints. Very tough there at the moment. <coughs> What's going on? It's um, pretty difficult. I think uh, one good game, one bad game. So they're very up and down. We are very up and down. And um, I must say, we got together today and uh, I was fortunate to get pulled into the seniors meeting today for the first time. And the guys almost just talking about the DNA of Northampton or what the Saints stand for. And I think... What is that? I, I don't want to go through that, but I think it's just getting back to that. What makes you good? What makes us a great team? What do we stand for? And just almost get back to that. Do the basics very well. And when you do the basics well, even if team, teams know what you're going to do, if you do that well, it's going to be difficult to stop. Yeah, you feel it. Click in at some stage. This is our secret Santa. It is the world's strongest man of 2007. Terry Hollands, ladies and gentlemen. Give <laughs> You, of course, have played a bit of rugby. Uh, you played your rugby with Harlequins, is that right? Yeah, a long, long time ago now. How long ago was that? What, what um, age group did you play up to? I, I played under-21s and a few second-team games, so this was, well, 15 years ago. long what, time ago. What position were you? Well, I, I sort of moved between second row and number eight at the time, but I was about 12, 13 stone lighter then, so... What, what weight are you coming in at now? Um, I'm around about 31 stone at the moment. Just the 31, yeah. 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 It's a little yeah. bit too heavy for me, but yeah. I'd like to be sort of back down to about 28. Just down to the 20 yeah. Yeah. Would, yeah. would you eat about Craig's weight for lunch? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> what is, uh, what's Christmas dinner look like in your house? Just, just like a normal dinner, just for four people. <laughs> <laughs> 
the entire turnoff. <laughs> well, I mean, you do have to you have to eat well. You're just just because you're a big guy, I mean, you're consuming you know, what is it, a high protein diet? Is that what you're on? Yeah, I mean, a, a, lot, a lot of protein, a lot of carbs, also a lot of fats as well. You get a lot of energies from your fats. So, yeah, I mean, the, the diet's not strict. Um, a lot of people sort of get get confused between bodybuilding and strongman. The diet's far from strict, but you're trying to get as much of your nutrients you need in as possible. That's uh, like a special juice we have here. It's got bubbles in it, Thank don't you. mind it. That'll do you absolute wonders. Uh, let's talk about 2007 when you became world's strongest man. Um, everyone was so excited about it because it's an incredible competition and it really kind of caught the imagination that year. What are your memories of it? Um, I mean, I actually won Britain's strongest man. I was third at world's strongest sorry, man. Britain's no, that's okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was great memories. Um, that was really sort of two years into my strongman career and I really felt like I was building to, towards some, something really good. And, I mean, I've had a great career. So, 10 years of competing at World's Strongest Man and been top 10 in the world nine times. So, it's been a fairly decent career. How do you train for it? Because you can't, like, kind of go home, right, tonight I'm going to do the truck and boat. I mean, how, how do you prep for that? Um, I mean, truck pool was actually one of my best events and I never actually trained it at all. Um, just once I learned the technique, it's just getting stronger in the gym and just, just generally getting stronger and better conditioned for that event. And, um, yeah, just, I mean, once you understand how to do it, you don't need to do it every week. And you're going to be back in action soon enough, back training again? Yeah, I mean, I've been retired for about a year and a half and um, the aim's to come back end of January for Britain's Strongest Man. So, fingers mm. crossed, it all goes well. Because you're now dealing with the greatest challenge in anyone's life, a newborn baby in the household. Let's give yep. a big round of applause for that. It's interesting how something this size can actually destroy something this size. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy, is it? It's definitely not. And, um, yeah, it's interrupting my training a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's just I can't be as structured as what I normally would. But I'm getting all my sessions in each week. And, um, yeah, I mean, loving life as a dad. It's great to have you here. Really good to Thank have you. you here. So this is how the table lies at the end of 2015. Saracens top, rightly so, unbeaten this season. Really, really strong performance. The informed team in the Northern Hemisphere, 31 points for them. The Chiefs right behind them. Tigers and Harlequins make up the top four. Gloucester moved from eighth up to sixth. Is that the turning point in their season? Northampton Saints certainly looking for a turning point, but just look at the teams below them. Bath, Wasps, Sale, really, really good sides. It's going to be such a competitive season. Perhaps though one of the most significant results is London Irish finally getting that win only on four points it lifts them off the bottom though puts the Newcastle Falcons on two points just two losing bonus points for them Worcester Warriors at 11 well it looks like they'll enjoy the early part of the new year it's going to be a battle right across the table no doubt about it but uh, Ugo I want to talk about events at Twickenham on Saturday a what a brilliant day put on by Harlequins and all the crew at Twickenham it was a really good occasion the fireworks and the atmosphere 70,000 fans we loved the game as fans both directors of rugby were a bit kind of funny about it. I suppose both of them thought maybe they let, they let one go, really. They should have won it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, a huge amount of frustration. But like you alluded to, 10 tries in the mid of December. I think Gloucester going into it, would they have settled for three points? Perhaps. But considering they got themselves to a 10-point lead, I think they'll be so frustrated. Harlequins will be upset that they two intercept tries, a couple of just their reactions just weren't quite there but what we did have were two quality teams battling out, a lot of credit to Gloucester because they have had a tempestuous season the spirit which they showed, at, at times they defended fantastically well but they were so clinical 37% possession what they had over 80 minutes to score five tries, you've got some serious weaponry Rob, you know, Rob Cook at the back 
outstanding try for, from 60 metres. It was great to see those combinations working and for people just going out, expressing themselves over this festive period. A great game. It's funny, isn't it, how a director of rugby would look at a game and say, Rob Cook's try, you know, as fans, we go, oh, look at that, he cut across four players, got the try. Director of rugby's going, it's missed tackles, it's four or five missed tackles. And, and he's angry about it. What's your read on tries like that? You yes. celebrate them? He, he still needs to do the job. He needs to step the guys, he needs to see the space, and he needs to show some pace to get through it. So, um, yes, there might be some missed tackles, but uh, he really did well. He saw the space there, attacked it, and then he used some footwork and pace again. It's a fantastic try. Do you enjoy that one, Terry? It's a good one. Yeah, lovely, lovely. It's great to see him scoring those as well. The crowd went crazy as well. Um, I want to talk about Saracens for a moment. I want to talk about Maro Otoji with you, Benny. Uh, the guy is getting hyped up. I hope he's able to uh, contain it because all the papers talking about him as a, as a future England captain, as a future England starter, perhaps in this Six Nations. Where do you think his career is going? What do you think he has to do? What's going to happen to um, him? I'm all, always a little bit cautious, when, particularly when us as commentators talk one guy up and, and, and you almost go into games looking for the good things they were doing. And I, I was watching this weekend... We gave him man of the match and, and he fully deserved it. It wasn't, you know, I, I was almost trying to keep my own feet on the ground, but he was brilliant at the line out. You can see he got the one steal, but he actually interrupted a lot of Wasp ball. Every time they went to set up a line out drive, his hand had come through and he'd pull the arm away and, and they dropped the ball. So there's more than that one steal. He's just, he's an exceptionally bright man. He, he's, uh, very intelligent and he makes good good decisions but he's also often players like that don't really have the power to go he's a natural athlete so hugely exciting but we almost keep our feet on the ground with him people talking about him being the next England captain I don't think that's right he hasn't got the international experience yet but certainly if you were you know we're hearing about Dylan Hartley potentially he wouldn't be a long-term option and, and then one of the younger guys coming through Jack Clifford's another one who's, who's on people's lips as a potential England player those are the sort of guys that have the leadership. They've both captained England under-20s to, to World Cup victories. I think, potentially, we could be seeing it, and I definitely think he will be a, an England player before very long. He's still just 21, and, and you know, if he continues growing as a, a, as a second row, they, they can still be going. At, how old are you? 43. 38. Oh, yeah. Brad, Thorne, Brad Thorne, 40. It's frightening to think that at 21, he's still you know, playing at that high level and how much further he can still go. Uh, one fellow who's not at the uh, not at the 21 age bracket. He's more heading towards the 30. Is Gareth Steenson, uh, 10 with the Exeter Chiefs. They're scoring a load of tries, highest in the try scoring charts. We talk about Jack Nowell and Henry Slade, but actually the man in the middle of all this is Gareth Steenson. Incredibly, although he played for Ireland at underage level, he played alongside Tomas O'Leary. He's never been capped by Ireland at a senior level. I don't think he's even been in camp. We've got to start a campaign for this lad to get him capped, or at least get him on a tour. Why hasn't it happened? Yeah, I suppose all he can do from his point of view is put his hand up. I suppose with such a small playing pool with the four provinces at home, we have to look outside for, for talent. And this guy's doing it week in, week out. Oogs chatted earlier on that he's moved Slade to 12. Shows an awful lot uh, about his talent. And, you know, Exeter turned into the people's team. Everyone roots for them. And... Uh, I think he's done an incredible job there. I, I, I think you're right. I think guys like that get noticed when they start pushing up the, uh, the table and delivering on the big days. And uh, I think if he keeps <coughs> knocking on the door, you know, um, Irish camp will come calling. Yeah, should do. At least get him in there. Give the guy a chance. Uh, right, uh, who is your, uh, your player of the month? Because voting is now open for the Aviva Premiership Player of the Month for December. To find out how to get involved uh, and be a 10th judge, you are the 10th judge, of course, go to btsport.com. Player of the Month. Voting runs until midnight on Wednesday, the 30th of December. The winner will be announced next week on Rugby Tonight on the 4th of January. <laughs>
Right. Uh, how about the rugby coming your way this weekend? Well, live on BT Sport, we all start on Friday, half past two, BT Sport one. Northampton Saints against the offline, all try scoring Exeter Chiefs. That is, is simply unmissable. Gloucester, they welcome London Irish. Can they back up their win against Gloucester at King's Home? We can find out. And Newcastle Falcons welcome Bath. Both sides needing a win. Some big performances. Then on Saturday, a fantastic game. Saracens against the Leicester Tigers. Just one loss between the two teams across all competitions this season. That's at 3pm on BT Sport 1. And then that evening, we're up at the AJ Bell Stadium. It is the Sale Sharks welcoming Wasps. That is 5.15. How about Sunday? Well, up at six ways. Harlequins are the visitors. 2.45 are on air for that one. BT Sport 1. And also, we're going to bring you all the highlights as well from that round eight set of games. That's going to be fantastic stuff. All of us here wish you a very, very happy new year. We will, of course, see you in 2016. This is the home of the Aviva Premiership. Your Aviva Premiership. All the action, live and exclusive, here for you every single week. But for now, enjoy the rest of your Christmas break. See you in the new year. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. We'll be back soon for more rugby insight and analysis. See you then. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.